What's up, everybody? Microtrophic here. Welcome back to the Microtrophic Podcast, where together we are going to grow in mind, body, spirit, and mushroom. Today, I have a special guest and someone I'm really excited to record with. We have the fun guy, Mycology, um, known for his beautiful grows and awesome knowledge and content on Instagram. And what I would call a pillar in our community. I think a lot of people flock to your page for the positive energy and for the information. And I'm so excited to highlight you today. So how you doing, bro? Doing good. I'm doing good. I was excited. This is what I was looking forward to today. You know, as I was uh, getting through the work day, I was, you know, thinking in advance, I got something cool to do later. So here we are. Well, again, thank you for making some time to come on today. I'm really excited to highlight you and tell everybody about you and what you do. So, um, would you classify yourself as a mycologist at this point? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think mycologist is probably just, or mycology is one of the things I do. Um, mycologist, uh, you know, I, I would say that kind of is uh, not the all-encompassing word of everything I do. I think if I were to be honest with myself, I fall a, a little bit more under the content creator side of things where I'm, you know, I'm kind of like gathering um, a collection of the work that I do to display to the people because I'm very passionate about it. And I want to kind of show that to other people. Um, so mycologist, um, I don't know. I guess that's a tough question. I'm not really sure what, what, what would you say, you know, encompasses a mycologist? Well, I was, I was asking you because I had this conversation with a few friends in the last few days and I've called my, myself a mycologist because it's like what I do full time content creator. I'm in the lab every day, but the big, but I'm not like classically trained. I got all my information from Shermery, Reddit, YouTube books. So I'm not like, I don't have a degree in this, but you know, so self-proclaimed mycologist, but I understand that was a good answer. That's exactly what I was looking for. Um, I think you've done a really good job of connecting with people and, and sharing, you know, what I would just call the hobby or the practice or the science as uh, Feng Strait said today, it's really a science and a practice and yeah. a hobby all encompassing, you know, so it's, it's kind of, I would say some of those things. And I think you exude those qualities pretty well. No. And, and I think that that's, you know, you kind of hit it on the, on the head where I, I it's hard to say that I'm a mycologist cause I, I've never really, done any classical training to really say like yeah this is what i do it's mycology is a hobby of mine is this really yeah a better way to say it correct good answer so ask that kind of leading into how you got into the realm of mycology so what was kind of like the the entry point or inspiration or some of the first inclinations you had or why did you even want to start growing and how did that transform into having like such a recognizable page and brand in the space um, it was never planned. I can say that honestly, I, um, I've always liked mushrooms since I was pretty young. You know, I, I've been a very experimental person in my life. I've always uh, been interested in the, um, you know, alterations of consciousness and, you know, starting with things like, you know, meditation and even prayer, um, uh, growing up, um, Eventually, I started delving more into recreational substances for, uh, you know, going into those spaces. And early on, mushrooms were more of a, a very much a recreational thing for me where I just, you know, I had friends that, 
you know, would have it sometimes and it would be a very fun and, and hilarious experience to have with them, um, you know, to share in that. But, you know, years later, I hadn't tried mushrooms for a very long time and I was just, um, you know, I, I've always been um, uh, a fan of uh, cannabis as a medicine, yeah. um, but I had never seen as a medicine until a point where I think a lot of people were hit, which was the pandemic where I started to, um, you know, experience a, a shift in in the time that I had to think about myself and my, my place in the world and things of that nature. And, you know, getting into, um, into YouTube and looking up videos about, you know, more uh, personal development. And I, you know, started going down the road of like seeing things about Terrence McKenna. And um, eventually I started looking into mushrooms and people talking about mushrooms as medicine. And I was so shocked because that, that to me was not, like I, I kind of heard of it, but I, I didn't know it was such a practical thing that was happening like right here now. Uh, but now looking back during the pandemic, it was kind of blowing up. I didn't even realize it because I was kind of riding the wave without really, you know, noticing it. Um, but I found myself acquiring some mushrooms after maybe like six, seven years of not having tried them since I was like, um, you know, a teenager, just experimenting. And I, under a, a different context, under a different set and setting, you know, with intention, I had a completely different experience. It wasn't just a funny experience. It was uh, something that, you know, I could say till this day is kind of like a pivotal moment in my life. Like that, that mm -hmm. day, that trip, um, really just shifted my mind in the way that I saw myself. And um, not that I lived my life differently, but I just found that there was um, an understanding that I had with the way things were that I didn't quite have before, just like a knowing that um, that things are the way they're supposed to be, that everything is just in its right place. And like, as much as things can be frustrating, you know, looking at it personally, it is just my perspective on things. But Mushrooms, I guess, you know, have been around here way longer than us and, and have a different context to the length of the time that we're here. So I don't know, I guess, um, it, like I said, it, it just shifted my perspective um, in the way that I see life. And I just, it started a, a, a interest, a fascination, a admiration with all things mushrooms. Um, so I went on YouTube and I started looking up people. I was, you know, trying to figure out um how how do you even grow this? Like, how do people manage to do this? Is this, is this a replicatable thing? Um, and I found pages that on YouTube were doing it at the time that they were teaching others how to grow mushrooms. And I was so shocked because I, I just couldn't believe that it was just in the information, just out in the open for anybody to access. I always, it seemed like such an elusive thing, but um, I found pages like um, Arvin 47, which I know he's not yeah. as active time anymore but that that was a wealth of knowledge i found pages uh, like your page i devoured every video that i had uh seen on your youtube channel at the time um and just started i spent like three or four months just researching it i didn't even buy anything i was just looking into it and eventually i felt ready i um got my hands on some supplies i, I made myself a, a tub um still air box i got some spores some blue meanies uh uh, which were the philosophy kind and i got my first grow and i was successful i think and i'm very grateful that i was successful i'm sure i would have tried it again because i'm persistent but just trying it for the first time and being successful gave me like a lot of confidence and just just kind of continued that wave of interest and uh 
yeah, eventually I created uh, an Instagram because I realized that a lot of people were also just sharing their journey on Instagram as well. And it was all blowing my mind at the time. I just couldn't believe that this was just public. So um, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, they get into it now, look at it, and they're also equally as shocked. But it's been three years, a little bit over three years now that I created my Instagram page. And all I've been doing really is just sharing, sharing what I do, which is trying, you know, trying different growths, trying different, um, different methods of, of growing, um, getting my hands on all things mushrooms. I think a lot of people do that when they get into mycology. Um, I definitely have gotten into, um, I guess like a routine of, of how I do my stuff, but I'm always trying different things. And that's what, that's what keeps it interesting for me is just, um, the different, the, the different options there are to, to do mycology, you know? Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of the beginning. And, uh, I know I rambled a little bit, but that's how we got here. No worries. The rambling. That's why you're here, man. We want to hear you ramble. That's how you extract all the golden nuggets, you know, very, very similar to you during that pandemic time. You know, we weren't allowed to go out, so we had to go inward and a lot of growth came from there. So I totally understand that. And very similar too, I had actually tried mushrooms until I grew my own. Believe it or not, um, my entire teens, I had, wow. I'd never even seen them. You know, I think I had heard of some. There were there were a few people in high school who had done them, and I was really just afraid. I was like, I'll just stick with weed. I'm cool. I was always the guy at the party who who had a sack on me. I never really drank that much, but um, it was kind of like a, a an entryway into the the mushroom space for sure. So very similar to you. I like that. And uh, you had mentioned how you used it with intention, and you had a totally different experience. So. When you grew your own, were, was that the experience that you had where you went more inward and it was and it was differently? Or had you tried them prior to you growing and had that experience? Yeah. So, I mean, I had tried them probably the first time when I was like 16 or 17. So I was, I was pretty young, but I, um, I, I had a, a very euphoric experience where it was more, you know, giggles and laughs with your friends. And um, yeah, I would say... Uh, life-changing um then when i tried it again was because i was researching um things about personal development and mental health um but i didn't grow them my own at the time either i had uh, gotten those from somebody that i, I was able to uh, find the connection um and then because of that experience i started looking into growing my own and then i started you know getting into cultivation but <clears throat> When I first started or the first time I did it and when I did it years later and even now that I'm cultivating, it's never been a thing where I um I take the medicine like uh, on a routine, like I don't have a protocol for uh microdosing or anything like that. It's just something that when the when the time calls I kind of uh you mm. know feel the feel the call to do it. Um and it's yeah. usually always the Yeah, it, I mean the medicine speaks to you. I was just talking with Feng Straight in another episode about how like when you are ingesting what you grow, they almost speak to you. Like you literally get inoculated by your own medicine, not in like a, what's that new show? I always forget the name of it. The uh, <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, like they, they, you really, you know, and that it kind of helps to like learn the organism, the culture itself, and you kind of grow with it. So what is the, from like from when you were first beginning and you said you started with with tub tech correct uh no the first thing i did was actually brf cakes um I did them and yeah they were um at the time 
I didn't really even see a lot of people doing tubs. So I don't know. I, I wasn't going into the shroomery, so I wasn't seeing a lot of that. It was mostly what people were doing on uh, YouTube, which BRF cakes were just really easy to find at the time. Yeah. Um, so I started with BRF cakes and a Martha 10. So I did a whole Martha 10 setup. I just, I, I don't know. I saw online that that was, uh, some people were doing their BRF cakes that way. And I had done a BRF cake and I had also done like a big BRF cake in a tub. So it wasn't really like a, like a mono tub because I ended up grabbing that cake and putting it in the Martha and just growing it out in the Martha. And it also did really well. So my first few grows were all in a Martha tent, but, um, as, as efficient and automated as that is, it, it adds a, la a layer of, um, cleanliness that I was not able to keep up with. Um, just constantly having, you know, the dripping humidity, having to clean out the humidifier. Um, it just, I found more practical ways of doing it with the tub where I don't have to do as much upkeep with it. Um, so I, I moved on quickly from the Martha into tubs and I've, I've experimented with bags, but I, uh, even till today, I just find, um, tubs, just the, the space, the surface area that it gives or, you know, makes it easy for harvesting. Um, and yeah. That's, that's what I'm kind of up to now. Gotcha. When you were starting with BRF cakes, did you go spore solution like, uh, or did you go liquid culture? I did spore solution. I was doing spores for Same. a while. I didn't liquid yeah. culture. So, you know, like yep. I, I thought I was going to, you know, grow spores and I was going to get identical and huge flushes. I wasn't really, you know, understanding exactly how the more, the mushroom organism um, reproduces. So I, I, there was a lot of hit and miss in the beginning. Um, but eventually I found pages that, you know, broke it down for me and I learned a little bit more about that, but it was probably months into my ecology before I touched liquid culture. It's very similar. I did the same thing. It took weeks for colonization to happen. Contamination rate was a little higher and I actually also went Martha tent too. And you're very right. Like it's, it works definitely. It gives them like a beautiful environment, but it is kind of semi open air humidifier needs to be maintenance. And I mean, essentially you learn from those mistakes or not even mistakes because I had successes there, but yeah. So then you move to tubs. Yeah. Cool. Have you, have you experimented with bag tech much? I have. Yes. So, um, I prep all my stuff. So I think, you know, I was having a lot of hit and miss, which I think I now understand why, because I prepare my substrate and then I would put it in the bag. Um, and then I would throw in my, um, my inoculated grain but the, the substrate wasn't pressure cooked in any way when i do the, the the substrate in the bucket and i put it in the tub um i don't experience as much contamination or even really any contamination at all but i think having it in the bag in a sealed environment where the substrate wasn't sterilized itself caused it to contaminate so i tested um sterilizing the substrate in the bag first and then from there i stopped having contamination uh, issues. I just, I would pressure cook the substrate, even though it's cocoa, um, I would just pressure cook it in, in the, uh, in the Presto. And when I, then I stopped having contamination, but by that point I was already kind of getting back into tubs and I, I stopped experimenting with it. Good to go. I can see all of your beautiful bags and liquid culture and flow hood in the back. So this is your lab space. How much time are you spending in there? Or do you basically semi live in there when you're home? Oh yeah, I live here, um, so I don't mind sharing. I work remote, like I have a remote job, and this is my office space. So I, I I'm here from like 
eight 30 in the morning um you know i clock out and i i i do my lab work i sometimes do my job while i'm doing my lab work um yeah. and you know so I, i'm i'm in this room like sometimes 12 14 hours a day um and i have plants in here i have a bunch of stuff going on and i i don't have a very high contamination rate i feel like it's found like a, a good uh stability between all of the the life happening in the room that's awesome what other activities do you do when you're not in your lab or working? What do you like to do? Um, so I'm really big into hobbies. I, I get when I get into something, I get really into it, which is why I got into my college like this. Uh, but yep. one other thing I really like to do is I, I like to play uh, video games with my friends. Um, I so I I stay in this room sometimes. Uh, my computer's right behind um, where the camera is, so I do my my college work. I flip around. I play some video games with my friends on my computer, um, and yeah, I'm also, uh, I'm a married man, so I, I have a wife and, you know, I do family things. So that is another um, aspect to fungi mycology. <laughs> um, and I play music. Um, so I, I, I don't know, I do a little bit of everything. Um, sometimes I um, I get into random hobbies that I, that I you know, get fascinated over. Uh, me and my wife got into making um like uh vials like a decoration so we've been doing like a lot of arts and crafts lately um using actually the the fruits um that i grow we'll dehydrate them dip them in epoxy and turn them into you know little little resin art pieces um and yeah so those are some of the things that i like to do those are some of my hobbies so it sounds like you're you're well versed and you have to find like a work-life balance how do you manage your your work life balance? Or I mean, I know that's kind of like a broad question, but uh, what are some of the ways? I guess you could say, like, what's your self care? Like, when when you're just alone and you want to, I don't know, be out of the house, do you get into nature, do things like that? Um, I do not, and I I can be you know self aware to know that I I really should step out of the house more. I think because I work a remote job, I've gotten really comfortable being inside my home. Um, so I think yeah. I. I start implementing a little bit more of outdoor activities. Like I can feel myself more pale than normal looking at myself in the camera. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, no, my reprieve, you know, the way that I, I like to, you know, take care of myself is to do my hobbies. I feel like my hobbies bring me a lot of joy and the joy that I get from those hobbies, I think is um, what helps my mental health. You know, mycology is something that, you know, fuels me. Um, it, it gives me, um, it scratches all the itches for, for my, what, what keeps me interested. So that itself is, is something that, you know, it's not all I do, which is why I, I, I don't say I'm only a mycologist. Um, but it's something that takes a lot of my time because I really like it. And I like to give a lot of my, um, my time throughout the day for that. Uh, but I do other things. I, I, I like to turn to, um, to family time when I, when I want to have reprieve, you know, me and my, my wife will watch, you know, TV and then relax and enjoy, you know, a nice, meal so um but again um i probably should go out into <laughs> outdoors a little bit more and get some some more outdoor activity i'm full-time from home too so i totally understand that making time to get out there but right now it's getting a little colder uh gives me like more of a excuse to not but i totally understand so with your mycology practices how have your skills grown like and what is the I guess you could say like, what is the extent of your, your research or your, or your cultivation? Like what all have you gotten into or what's most important in your, in your, in your lab space, like what you're working on? 
Yeah. Um, so that I think is a great question. It's something that is constantly evolving. Um, sure. I've, uh, you know, when you, when I first started, I was really looking to figure out how do I, um, first, how do I even get this growing? Right. Then you get it growing and then you're like, okay, how do I make this better? How can I, mm. how can I get full flushes? You know? So you start I, doing a little bit of research or I should say, I started doing research, um, into things like, um, isolating genetics, um, uh, looking for phenotypes within a spore grow and uh, doing back-to-back -back spore grows until they stabilize within your environment and um, eventually being able to isolate clusters that will be able to give you more full flushes in your next um, grows. So that's that's what I um, I would say is something that I focus a lot on um, just because I really do like the aesthetic of getting a full flush. I don't think that there's anything like nobody needs to get a full flush. I, I don't think it makes you anything of a better mycologist because a lot of it is not mm. anything to do with techniques. It's just repetition over time and getting uh, genetics to adapt to your environment. Mm -hmm. So um, I get a lot of joy in, and I spend a lot of time on trying to get mushrooms to look the way I want them to look. Um, sounds a little bit controlling, but I feel like I, I see it almost like, a, um, you know, kind of like guiding the genetics in the way that you, that, you know, I, I envision them to look like if I get a really nice mushroom that looks a little bit different than the other ones, I want to see if I can get a, a tub full of those types of mushrooms and I'll, I'll spend months, you know, some, some of these genetics that I haven't even released yet. I've been spending like over six, seven months just working, trying to get it to, to where I'm like, okay, this is, this is what I was looking for. This is what I had envisioned in my head. So that's definitely where a lot of my time goes to. Um, but I'm also, you know, doing research and things that I want to do in the future. So currently i've i've got my um recently got my microscope and i got my setup to try to start doing serial dilution cuz i have all these genetics that i've worked for for you know some of them over 2 years now that i want to see if i can you know start doing some breeding and and finding uh new genetics within the within the the possibilities that there are so that's where like i foresee some of my future going into or at least like my time spent on um and uh, even beyond that, I'm, you know, still looking at a lot of the things that people are, are developing now. I feel like mycology is still in a very early stage, as much as it feels like it has like mm -hmm. an established base. I, I feel like it's really at the beginning. People are, you know, when you look at cannabis and how people grow cannabis now, I mean, it is it is like uh, night and day with how, how people are growing. You know, we're growing in like sterilite tubs. You know, people in cannabis are growing in like, fully automated tent setups that, you know, are Bluetooth enabled and have all these things. I just feel like I'm learning every day. So a lot of my time also, aside from doing the things I do, is just keeping an ear open and seeing what, what's new and developing in the world of mycology. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of what I do. Um, you know, separate from all of this, I also really care about the um, content creation that I do. I really like to document and I like to film and edit videos of the mushrooms that I have and just post them online because um, I think they look nice. And I like to to show, you know, after months of work, the, you know, the product of, of what I've got. So I am, I wouldn't consider myself a vendor because I don't have, you know, a shop that I keep with inventory all year long. But every few months when I have something that I've worked on that I want to release, I, I do have my website where I also uh, put some of my work on there and it's up for grabs. I'm actually going to be doing a release um, hopefully before before the end of this year. So close to the end of December where 
Um, I've been working on a few strains for over six months that I, I haven't even had a chance to um, to share. Um, so this is like after taking it back to Spore three times, I have um, a ghost genetic that I've been working on. I have uh, Blue Vuitton that I've been working on um, and just some other uh, genetics that I'm planning on restocking. So those are all other aspects of the of the rolling table that is mycology that I try to, you know, I keep juggling. Sounds like you're staying busy. That's awesome. And the time and attention you put into these, it, it all comes back to you for sure. Do you have a favorite variety that you've um, either used for micro or macro dosing? I would say the one that I've I've had one of my favorite experiences on would be the Blue Meanies, which were one of the, the, the first ones that I told you that I grew. Yeah. Um, However, that, that was not something replicatable because I've tried it again times after that and it wasn't the same kind of experience. So I, it might have been a lot with the set and setting that I had at the time. Uh, but that is one of the, the strains that I think I've had one of my, my favorite experiences on. Um, but in terms of um, like my, my favorite journeys that I've had that I, I have changed my life, I got the strains from people that they didn't tell me what strain it was. It was just, you know, mushrooms and I'll never be able to kind of find what genetics those were. So, um, I feel like the ones that I've, I've considered like blessed experiences, I unfortunately have no access to finding out which strains those are. Um, but my favorite strains these days, um, just in terms of, of all around factors like look, uh, potency, um, even, harvesting uh like how easy it is to harvest it i would say is uh apes like i i've been running apes for over a year and it is it's it's just always um it's always killer it's always amazing um it is the number one requested uh strain that i get you know out of all the things i do um in terms of you know genetics and even for medicine it ape is always the one that i feel like people are, are requesting um, but I personally also really love ghosts. I think ghosts, I think mm. aesthetically, they are one of my favorite. They're, they're so appealing that they called me before I even grew them. I, I really yeah. want to grow ghosts. I, I searched out through different um, different vendors to see you know, who had a ghost culture. And I ended up getting a few of them. I ran all of them to see which one I liked the most. I ended up um, keeping uh, one that I got from Rose Garden Collective, which was mycologist um, that uh, um, we did a swap for that culture and that has been one of my favorite things to grow ever i could see myself growing this for the next few years and taking it back to spore over and over again because it just i don't know it calls me in a way gotcha so as a content creator you probably get lots of questions i imagine your inbox is as full as mine if not more what would you say is some of the most like overlapping questions that you receive from either like newbies or just even your your somewhat seasoned mycologist or or cultivist or or enthusiast um there's a few um i think one that i get like very often is is this contam and then it's a picture or a few yep. pictures and then yep. i'm just you know and I, I never mind like people going into my inbox and asking me questions you know that's why i make it a public page i i, I enjoy talking about this with everyone all the time um, I apologize for anybody that I don't get back to, you know, in a, in a decent amount of time, because it is uh, a one man, per, you know, a one man uh, show running 
uh, the page. So, um, but things like, um, I would say the contamination question is, is one of the more popular ones, one of the more common ones. Yep. Um, and then it ranges. I have people, you know, they send me uh, pictures of their grow and they ask if there's anything that they're doing wrong or there's anything they can do better. They ask me how they can get full flushes. So that that's a question actually that I get a lot. They People asking me, you know, how do I get full flushes? Because I'm, I'm posting pictures of, you know, usually um, the product after months of work and having gotten that isolation. So um, I, and I never mind typing this out over and over again, but to kind of have it in, in this, in this podcast is, is the whole process is just finding um, within that first grow of the genetics that, that you do, finding um, a, a phenotype or, you know, a fruit that you like and trying to get a swab of that fruit, take the spores of that fruit and taking those spores and putting them on, on agar and trying it all over again, will get you a more stable genetic. Then you can find um, clusters in your grow. When you find mushrooms that are growing out with a clustered look with a few, a few you know, mushrooms all together, that is something that you can grab and you can open up and take a, a tissue sample. And if you replicate that, your next grow is very likely to be a lot more clusters. It's going to be a lot more full. So um, that that is the, the question that or the answer that I give to everybody that that asked me that. That's really good advice. And that's something I didn't find out for probably a year after I had started uh, growing for myself. And it's so true. And that's such a, like a, a big step up too when you realize you can make it better, but ultimately that requires some level of sterility. So usually that means getting into the flow hood game. When did you get your flow hood and like, how did that change the landscape of like of your, your hobby and practice? Uh, the flow hood was like the final investment into, in, or the final commitment into the investment. Cause getting a flow mm. hood, you know, you're, you're not, you're not saying that this is something you're doing for now. You're saying like, I truly love this and I'm doing this for a while. Um, so I was, I was doing mycology for about a year and a half. Um, and I, I would say six months into mycology, I really committed to myself that I wanted to get a flow hood because I just knew that it was something that I was going to enjoy doing. So I spent a year just saving up money just to be able to get my flow hood. Um, so, you know, I was very determined. And when I finally got it about a year and a half into, uh, into doing mycology, um, it changed the game for me. You know, I was already finding ways to bring down contamination rates, but it went from maybe 80% to like 99% clean, you know, like a, a 1% contamination rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really does. It really does change the game. It's not to say you can't do mycology without one. You can absolutely do it without one. I, for a while, I was rocking the, the faux hoods, which are like the, the, the box fan uh, flow hoods. You just strap a, a box filter 20 by 20 onto a, uh, a two by two uh, box fan, and that'll bring your contamination to at least 70 to 80% um, you know, success. So little things over time, but the, 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 the flow hood really did change the game. It just, it made everything easier. It's, I, you know, you can see it from, from back there, but I, I, I wanted to make sure that I was only going to get one flow hood at least for a while. So I got it mm-hmm. uh, quite a large one. I got a two by four and it provides me a perfect amount of, um, you know, space to be able to do all the work that I want comfortably. The table, ironically, it should, could have been a, a little bit longer, um, but it, it fits in, in the closet that I have it in there perfectly. So uh, I make do. 
What's up, MycoFam? Van from Microtrophic, here to highlight Micropose, your go-to destination for premium mushroom cultivation supplies. Micropose offers custom-designed tubs made from a high-clarity, durable polypropylene plastic that come in three convenient sizes, large, medium, and small. Perfect for the serious bulk home grower. Each tub comes with strategically placed pre-drilled two-inch holes, and they're easy to assemble. Use the included clips to connect the top and bottom portions of the tub. Micropose also offers high-quality accessories, like custom-fitted plastic liners that shrink with your mushroom substrate for easy removal and disposal of your cake. Their large monotub was able to comfortably fit 10 pounds of substrate and 5 pounds of grain spawn for a perfect 1 to 2 ratio. They also offer innovative monotub hole plugs to cut off airflow during colonization and maintain water saturation, and adherable filter patches for fresh air while maintaining high humidity levels when it's time to initiate fruiting conditions, ensuring an ideal air and gas exchange for your mushrooms to thrive. Micropose makes it easy to grow anywhere and at any scale with tubs that fit on most common steel rack wire setups. So make sure to check out micropose.com and use the discount code MICROTROPHIC to save 10% off your next order and see the Micropose difference today. Okay, and we're back. So unfortunately, um, your internet connection went out. It seems like you had an outage in your area. Shit happens, but like I just said a few moments ago, you just got to get back on the horse and we're going to continue this podcast. And like I said, uh, through the magic of editing, no one will really know. Well, they know now, but... <laughs> They wouldn't know. But it was, dude, it was uh, so far a great episode. I'm really excited to finish this. Um, we were kind of getting into the meat and potatoes of the show, but um, I went ahead, went back, rewrote some of the questions I was asking you. You gave some great answers. You don't have to obviously give the exact same. If it comes out differently, it's all good, my friend. But how are you doing today? How was work? Man, I'm doing really good, honestly. I was looking forward to this again today, uh, you know, knowing that now my internet was running with, without a hitch. So, I'm ready to talk shop, talk some my uh, mycology. Perfect, man. Well, where we left off at, um, or at least where the audio left off at, I was asking you about some of the more like overlapping or common questions that you receive. And I was basically saying that, like, I know you probably have a full inbox. And so you probably receive all kinds of questions. But what would you say is most common to you that you're answering on a daily, weekly basis with some of the new growers or even some of the experienced cultivators? Yeah. Um, so uh, as I had mentioned partly yesterday, I think one of the, the bigger questions that I get is, you know, how do you get your flushes to look so full? Um, yeah. Or, so I, I always take the time to answer people because it is a bit of a, of a process and it's something that doesn't click at first when you're, you know, learning about mycology and how to grow fruits. You're learning about, you know, you grab a spore syringe and you put it in a bag or you put it in an all-in-one bag and and you're, you know, you're expecting to get these big flushes when in reality, you know, spores are going to give you a variety of different looking mushrooms, very similar to, you know, it's the same strain, but it's going to give you a, a variety of different looking fruits of different phenotypes. So um, when I, when people want to get full flushes, what I would recommend them is, um, you know, grabbing your spores, doing a run, you know, doing the full grow and grabbing a fruit that you like and even taking it back to spore one more time to really stabilize the genetics within your environment. You know, grab a swab and take it to agar to repeat that process. And then when you're on that second run, you can see that you'll you'll start to see some clusters, maybe even before that. But when you start seeing these clusters that you're like, I want to see more of that in my tub, 
that's what you want to grab. You, you grab that, you know, you, you take a tissue sample of it, put it to agar, propagate it and try it again. And you'll see that in your next flush, you're, you're much more likely to have a wider, you know, surface area covered by mushrooms because that genetic memory from the mycelium of that you've taken from that sample is going to be replicated in the in the tub now that you're doing. So that's one of the questions I think I get the most and I always take the time to answer it. I think it's a, a fascinating process and it's the meat and potatoes of everything that I do. Yeah, because you said that you work on things for, you know, two, three, up to six months. And I remember when I would say more or less when I was starting, I was really dedicated to like a few varieties. And now these days, I think I, you know, I'll run just like for the novelty of it. I think I'll run six to eight, but that really kind of leads into like a lot of culture maintenance and uh, keeping them alive. Some of them are on cold storage. I'll take them out sometimes. I think something we had touched on was how when you start working with tissue and things like that, it kind of requires another level of sterility. So I'm not a huge proponent of still air boxes. I kind of think they're dangerous. I've had my own experience. Many people have had the experience where they're like rubbing their arms full of isopropyl alcohol. The entire like tub has been sprayed and then they go to light, uh, use their lighter to light their, or to, to sterilize their um, scalpel blade. And there's a, you know, a, a puff of flames. And I've had friends whose their arms got, you know, both on fire. I don't know if you know anybody's been injured, but that's kind of dangerous. But you did mention something that I think is important to talk about. I know it as like the ghetto flow hood um, tech, but there's probably other words for it, but can you, can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So that's, I think a great method, you know, I think getting a flow hood is something that can be a bit of an investment. So it's not practical to do it if you're first starting to get into mycology, but you still need a clean area to, to try to work in. So um, the box fan flow hood, or I've heard people call it the faux hood, um, yeah. is, um, kind of like a makeshift flow hood where you're strapping a 20 by 20 uh, inch filter, like a fan filter, and you're taping it onto a two by two box fan. Um, and that itself, you know, as, as, you know, impractical as it may seem, or maybe as, as ghetto as it may seem, it, it does increase the sterility in your work, work area by, you know, a lot more than I would say is still air box. Funny enough, I have had that same experience in the still air box. I've set it on fire and I'm freaked out. So um, yep. being able to work with your hands free and, you know, not obstructed is a whole other layer to, you know, being comfortable in, in, in your workspace and, and wanting to go back in and, and do more lab work because if it becomes tedious and inconvenient, you kind of don't want to do it. Um, so this is a, a great option. You know, I think you can probably make a still air box from... Um, a tub and you know in maybe 15 20 dollars uh, but you can make a uh, this box fan flow hood for about 30 dollars so a couple extra dollars and you change up your space and um, you know I wouldn't say it gives you perfect sterility you know a flow hood's going to give you around 99 percent if your uh, filter is clean but the box fan flow hood's going to be somewhere around like 80 percent 70 to 80 percent is where I was getting depending on your sterile technique as well you know how comfortable you are with with working and, and not hovering over your your media uh, but it's it's a great option i i always recommend it to people that want to start getting into mycology and they they're not going to invest you know hundreds of dollars in a flow hood to get started you can spend 30 40 dollars and have your space ready to go are you a uh, more of a proponent for agar transfers to grain or liquid culture 
Um, I think that they're both great things and I use them for different things altogether. And, and I think that even me and the way that I use it, it's just one way to use them. Like I like going from plate to, um, to bag. I think that I, I like to see how the culture grows because then I feel comfortable about, you know, what I'm putting in that grain, what I'm moving forward in, in these steps. I've seen how fast it is, how, you know, how aggressive it might, you know, be growing. Um, is it, if it's overcoming, you know, contamination that might show up on the plate, like sometimes that's a trait that I might want to keep, you know, something that is uh, more resistant to contamination. Um, so have, being able to see that visually before I move it to, um, to grain, especially when I'm doing my isolations, I think is, is very important for my process. But then once I've isolated something, once I have it ready and I'm comfortable with where it's at, you know, I've, I've spent, you know, five, six months working on it, taking it back to spore and um, isolating phenotypes, then it's ready for me to propagate. That's what I think liquid culture is perfect for. It's just straight propagation on mass scale. So, you know, in one jar, you have, you know, as much mycelium as you do in a bunch of plates. So I don't want to do one big jar of liquid culture with a culture that I am not comfortable if it's ready to, you know, my standard, so to speak. Um, so I, I'll work on plates until it's ready to propagate. And that's where I'll, I'll, I'll use liquid culture. Yeah. And then with liquid culture, I mean, even if it's your own, there is that added level or stage of having to test it and ultimately you have to wait for that to grow out too. So yeah, I'm, I'm a, a plate to, to grain kind of guy too. I, I do like the idea of being able to see it growing and also too, you know, you can identify if there was any contamination on the plate anyway, in the first place too. So I think that's great. Um, I was going to, I think I, yeah, I was going to touch on again, like what were some of the improvements to your, your space, your lab space that was really helpful to you that maybe others might want to keep in mind. I found that like everything was so cluttered. I think for me, it might've been things like other shelving units that weren't holding tubs or bags and, um, you know, even like dividers and things like that to keep everything organized. What were some of the things for you? Yeah, I, I've done, you know, little additions to my space over time. Um, one thing that really, I think helped out was I got a little side table. It's like a foldable table that I got at like target mm. for like $10 and I can prop it up. It's inside my closet. So if you see where I work and in my closet space, I have it tucked in the side so I can pull it out, put it right in front of my area. And then I have like an L space to be able to work and then pivot between. Um, that was huge for me. Um, these shelves that I have where I'm growing my stuff, uh, yep. behind me where I have my, my grain and my liquid culture, those are $30 shelves that I got from Walmart. So very inexpensive, very easy to set up. And, you know, I, I'm working in a, in a room, so they're, they add to the space, you know, it doesn't look too much like I'm, you know, this is my office. So it doesn't look too much like I'm in like a lab space as much. Mm -hmm. It's got a bit of both. Um, so I, th those were things that I think added a lot of um, practicality to my workspace. Something too, I, I know this is maybe a little bit smaller I could probably just bring you over and show you, but um, I got a small like shelf that I can put on. Let me see if I can show it here. I have my my agar plates on a shelf that is um, on the wall, so it's kind of like mm. a like a wall shelf for you know bathroom supplies, but it's perfect storage for my agar plates for um, for incubation. So I have that right next to my flow hood in the middle of all my space. And 
that itself, I think, um, being able to have, you know, my plates next to my hood and next to my bags, having everything all together in a, in a, in a, like a, the same spot, um, I think has become something that has been a great addition to my, to my lab, to the workspace. I see you have, um, a mini fridge full of cultures too. So like once they're done, you just kind of let them chill out in there in stasis until you're going to use them or, or work on them too. I think that's a great addition. Yeah. And shelving is so important. Too, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, the, the fridge more than just like, you know, being able to keep it, um, in cold storage, I think it's great for being able to schedule things out. Well, I guess, yeah, for, for cold storage, because you're going to be taking transfers and your transfers may reach the end of the plate way before you're ready to, um, to take it to, to, um, to bag or to do other transfers. So you can really stop the growth and get it at an optimal time to take transfers or to take it to bag. And yeah, that, that also helped a lot. Do you have a specific time you like to take transfers? Do you like to take it at that, like three quarters of the way done so you can get the very edge with mycelium or do you like to let it fully grow out and just take it for wherever? I, I, the second it's about to reach the edge, I put it in the fridge. So that's where I stop it. I, I, I don't like mm. to have it reach fully the edge. Um, so I put it in the fridge and it stops right there. And then when I take my transfers, I take it from that edge. Um, I think unless liquid culture, liquid culture, I'll sometimes take it from a little bit farther inwards. Um, but for plate transfers where I want to keep that mycelium running, I'll take it from that edge. When you're taking your transfers, are you doing punches or are you just taking like triangle shape kind of, or squares from your plates with your scalpel? I do a bit of both. When I, when I want to do a lot of transfers, I bring out my, uh, my punch tool. I think that, that it makes things significantly faster. But if mm -hmm. I'm just working on a couple of plate transfers, just because I'm going, you know, to T2 or, um, you know, going from a spore plate to, to be able to get some, some clean transfers, I'll, I'll just grab the blade. I'll take a, a square or a triangle. Um, and I'll take a big piece too. Cause sometimes I just, I just want to, you know, clean out the mycelium and have it, uh, colonize as fast as possible. I do the same exact thing. It's cool to, to know that everyone has similar, but different processes, but a lot of it's, um, very similar. So something I was going to ask you again was, are you making all of your own product? Like, are you piecing your own grain, making your own sub? Yes. So I, I do everything in house, um, mostly just to stay cost effective, um, with everything that I'm doing since I'm, you know, I'm a one man shop, but, uh, I have definitely narrowed down the processes so that it is faster and doesn't take as much time. Um, I was boiling grain and, you know, when I was working with rye, I was first soaking it for 24 hours. I was boiling it. I was, you know, like getting it to simmer, um, then drying it out. So it was, it was kind of a couple day process. Now I do, uh, the no soak, no simmer oats. Um, oats are very, um, affordable in my area. So I just do my ratio. I do two pounds of oats and one and a half pounds of water into a medium uh, mushroom grow bag. And I sterilize six of them in a, in a Presto. And the whole process just to prep them is 20 minutes. And then the pressure cooking for two hours, you know, I, I went from spending almost 48 hours to about three hours and yeah. I'm done with the grain. So a significant difference in like my workload. And um, I don't get contamination from it. I, I know that, you know, there's been kind of mixed reviews um, on the no soak, no simmer. So there's little things here and there that I do to kind of prevent um, contamination issues, like um, making sure that I break up the grain really well so no grain is stuck at the bottom that may 
not have been um, properly distributed, the hydration throughout the bag. So making sure that even the smallest kernels that are stuck at the bottom in the seams are mixed up within the bag. I think that stopped a lot of the contamination that I was having because everything's redistributed, not giving a chance to pool up in one side and give a good microclimate for contamination. Um, but yeah, I do my substrate in-house. I do bucket tech. Um, I do core and vermiculite. I've been cutting out gypsum because I didn't really notice much of a difference. Um, mm, and yep. that itself is, you know, it's, it's a lengthy process. It takes some time, um, but it helps me be able to stay afloat, you know, with everything that I'm doing. I kind of have to uh, make it work for me. I definitely consider outsourcing um, my supplies and I may do so in the future, but for now I've kind of been a good flow. Yeah. As long as your flow's working, if it's, if it's not broken, don't, you know, don't fix it, you know, kind of thing. Right. So obviously we're going from spore all the way to one of my favorite concepts is spore to healing or spore to medicine. Can you speak on maybe some of the more impactful experiences that you've had with your own product and maybe the, the differential? I, I mean, I personally find that when you, this goes for cannabis, this can go for tomatoes. I feel like when you grow it yourself, it's just that much better. Maybe because it's like super fresh, you know, you get to pick it, dehydrate it and consume it yourself for consumption research. Do you have any like, um, any experiences that have stuck with you or, or revelations that you've had from some of these experiences that you'd want to share? Yeah. Um, you know, funny enough, I don't think I've had some really amazing experiences on my own medicine, but because I don't dose very often, I would say the most profound experiences I've had have been before I started cultivating. Um, mm. the, the, the medicine that I grow now, I would say I, I get, you know, my, my share of feedback from the people that I share it with. And I, you know, those experiences that are shared with me are, are life-changing on its own. Um, but experiences that I've had um, that I can share are, you know, I would say are, are not very, um, you know, they're not very like visually uh, uh, interesting because I didn't have any, you know, kind of like, revelations where somebody came to me and told me something it was more of like profound um understandings that i've had um on the medicine things that that have had a significant impact on my life that have brought peace to the way that i live my everyday you know functioning life as a human being um and not to kind of give you like a whole story but you know the medicine has shown me in in different times and in many ways that us humans are living a very temporary experience and the perspective that we have on things is limited because of that time frame. But truly, you know, behind everything in the grand cosmic scheme of things, everything is perfect as it is. Everything is exactly as it should be. Um, the universe didn't make mistakes when it let all of these things happen into existence. Mushrooms have been around here way longer than any of us have been here. And I think that that is why they can communicate these, you know, profound understandings to us is because, you know, they have a different kind of perspective compared to our very limited, you know, time that we're here. Um, and to be able to, you know, take a sacrament, to take medicine and have like your very existence, like your, like, without words for your body to know definitively 
that things are okay, that everything is perfect is, is life changing. Like I can see why, you know, people that ha are going through terminal cancer and, and have these experiences are able to find peace in, in their, in their, in their passing or in their process, because it really does show you that, you know, everything's fine. Everything is perfectly as it should be. And then I, maybe, you know, maybe that's simplifying things in, in a, in a way that I, I was on medicine, but for me personally, like that is something that I know now, something that nobody can take away from me. Um, and that's what medicine has shown me. I don't know. So how does that translate into your like everyday mindset? Like what has that changed in you? Do you like take a step back from things, think about them a little more, or take it easy? Or I, I find that very similarly, like in those kind of experiences, I just, I always find myself going, you know, I don't have to be so hard on myself. I don't have to push so hard. I don't have to push and, uh, and hit the wall and keep going. I you know, take time to rest. What, what kind of a mindset does that like translate into? I think that that's kind of on the head. I think um, it has allowed me to be more forgiving to myself where before I was in a very grind mindset and when things didn't work out the way that I thought that they should because I have an idea of how things should be. Now when things don't work out, I kind of, I don't take it as serious because, you know, even the the, the tough moments, um, they're very momentary you know like the emotion that rises in those moments is intense and it's real but ultimately you know you move on from from these experiences you know there's another day and you're not going to think about that in that moment when the things are happening but like what i guess mushrooms have shown me is, is it's given me the ability to sometimes when those things are happening when i'm in the heat of you know intense moments that i can take a step back and i can re recognize that even these horrible things that may be happening have its perfect has its perfect place in in the grand scheme of things you know like the cause the universe has been colliding rocks for billions of years just for this specific moment to occur in life you know um yeah. so i don't know maybe that's kind of like the way that i've processed it but um that is how how medicine even the experience that i've, I've had three years ago continues to impact me in my everyday life and in the way that I handle my relationships with the people that I know and the way that I go about my work, you know, my, my career and the things that I do, it's, it's in everything I do now. It's like, can't be taken away. Yeah. They're lasting. I was going to ask you on top of that, do you have any like specific ways you like to ground yourself or integrate these messages or you kind of just let time do that? Um, I think that I could probably use some guidance and integration. Um, I've always kind of just thrown it at the wind. I'm, I'm great at set and setting, but usually after, you know, I have experiences, I just kind of let time go and things go. Um, like I said, I kind of, I, maybe it's my, my, my way of being, it's a little bit laid back, but I, I try not to take it as serious. Like I take these profound messages and I let them be what they are in the moment. Um, but I don't do any like actual, like, uh, routine to integrate. Um, I, I take it as it comes. Yeah, that's solid. I think time heals all and time is somewhat of a construct, but also real because so many of us believe in it. But yeah, I think that's, that's just fine. I mean, for most, um, that could be taking a vacation that can be eating well or sleeping. For me, it's like sleeping. I just like rest, let my nervous system just relax. But that's interesting. 
So I kind of wanted to ask you, because it seems like you got a good head on your shoulders. You're really good at what you do and you have some really like clean space. I want to kind of know, like, what are some of your more predominant values that you hold in your life that clearly translate into your work and your life? What are some of those things that you hold dearly to you, like some of your core tenets in life? My core tenant, my number one tenant, as corny as it may seem, is to unapologetically follow your dreams. Um, to follow your dreams, like, till you can't anymore. Um, I, I have been inspired by different things over the course of my life. You know, some of them medicine, some of them people, some of them TV shows and, and you know, content that I've consumed. But a core message that has always, you know, stuck with me for a long time through, you know, my favorite stories is, is just to, to follow your dreams. Um, that if you follow your dreams, things will work out. Um, you know, there's going to be <laughs> crazy, ridiculous battles throughout it, but you know, there's, there is something to, to the will the, 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 um, to want to will something so hard because you want it so bad that you dream of it so bad that, you strive for it and you achieve it. You know, before I started my college, I didn't know anything about mushrooms at all. I spent dozens of hours on the internet, you know, for months before I touched a single spore syringe. And, you know, I, I, I just gave it my all. It was something I really wanted to do. I failed a lot in the beginning and I continued to try and, and, you know, here we are, you know, a lot later. And, and I apply those things to other aspects of my life as well. Um, like I said, I, I do my ecology, but I, I do a lot of other things too. And I think that that is one of the things that has been a, a driving factor behind all of my motivation is, is follow your dream, uh, follow your dreams. I love that, man. So it sounds like you've got some lofty goals also too, for the year. Um, I want to kind of hear about what you plan on making out of 2024. What do you, what do you want to see? Uh, manifested what do you what do you want to will into reality this year yeah i i have a couple of different things that i hope to achieve um and i actually one of the things i like to do when when i can is at the beginning of the year i make a uh, vision board so i i will you know print things out that i want to do and i put it on a little framed art that i can have next to my desk and always see it and the things that i'm going to be adding i haven't done it yet but this year i'm going to be adding um i want to obtain a freeze dryer. I think that that is something that has called me yeah. for a long time. I want to be able to use it for different things, for preserving, um, you know, maybe at some point for extractions, uh, definitely for the art that I'm working on. Um, so that is one of the things that I want to work towards to be able to achieve and to be able to have. Um, other things that I want to be able to do, as, as, as funny as it might sound, is um, I want to find a focus and uh, a, a more narrow down direction of where fun guy mycology is going to go. Um, and I'm sure that that is going to be a lifelong process. If, if I you know as long as I continue mm. with it, it's going to have to evolve. Um, yep. But I want to kind of fall into um, a niche as to, you know, where the focus is going to be or, you know, what this project is going to be. Um, Cause I, I, I have a great community. People, you know, give me a lot of support. I, I have a, um, a platform I'm very proud of and I want to be able to use that for something. And I, I don't quite know yet how or what, but that's my goals for 2024. I like it. And I'm sure those are going to come true. 
freeze dryers are, dryers are awesome. Um, I've personally been looking at the Harvest Right myself, um, more or less trying to find some space for it because I know they're pretty loud and it gets like uber hot here in the, the summertime. So I want to be able to run that thing year round. But yeah, like for prepping food, long-term storage, you know, 25 years of a shelf life sounds pretty cool to me. Amazing. And also, yeah, it would be kind of cool to freeze dry some mushrooms and uh, see what those look like too. And yeah, with your art, I think that'd be kind of cool. And you're right, dude, you have a, a really like thriving community. Like people are active in the comments. I'm sure they're always um, active in your stories as well, sending you messages. And your content really like is spoken with clarity and it's interesting and it's fun. So I'm sure all these things are going to come true for you. And of course, if there's any way I can support you in that way, you know, please like let me know, of course. I appreciate right, well, the good vibes, man. Oh, always, dude. I'm I'm always trying to pump them out because I know they're going to come back to me, right? At some point, you know, I don't expect them to come back immediately. But so, my friend, I have one lasting question for you. I ask everybody that I interview on the show this question. You can answer it in short form, long form. It's somewhat of a interpret as you may. And that is the fun guy mycology. How are you every day, whether that's in a practice, a mantra, or what have you, how are you growing in mind, body, spirit, and mushroom? Um, to kind of take it back to one of the things that I, uh, I had mentioned earlier, um, I would say in, in learning how to be kind to myself and to others every day, um, how to be a little bit more forgiving, let myself grow, let myself learn from my mistakes, and become something bigger and better for the next day. Um, and to try to always be forgiving to myself. Um, and I say that to inspire others to do the same because it's, it's rough out here and it's, it's, it's easy to kind of fall into yourself and, you know, self-deprecate. But um, that is, I would say, one of the ways that I try to do exactly as you said. Caring for the self because really at the end of the day, you only have you. And you can't be there for your community or for the ones that love you and need you if you're not there for you. So, well, I'm sure, man, there's going to be so many great things to happen this year. I'm really excited to see how you grow. And of course, if my community or myself can be a part of that growth, please let me know. Do you have any lasting words for everybody in the audience and um, any like words of wisdom, any gold, any last minute golden nuggets? Um, yeah, I would say feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions. I'm very open in my uh, my DMs and Instagram specifically. This is a great place to reach me. Um, I have a website if you're looking for the cultures that I'm working on. It's not always available, but when it is, it's, it's on there and it's in my bio. Um, and a reminder that may not be always uh, spoken as much, but um, you know we're all on social media. Uh, remember that it's it's all, you know, a game where we're playing with each other, right? Like it's not to take serious. Um, the amount of followers you have is not important. Um, it's usually directly related to how long you've been posting content more than anything else. So yeah. if you're getting started, don't be discouraged by seeing pages that, you know, have been doing it for a long time. Ask questions. People are usually very willing to answer, you know, much like yourself, you know, I've learned a lot from you and I only can say that I, I would do the same in return. If you have questions, reach out and, be happy to help solid well guys if you enjoyed this video make sure to or i'm sorry episode uh make sure to give it a like smash that like button if you're watching on youtube and if you're listening on pause let's say like spotify or itunes make sure to give it a five-star review if you have any questions 
for the fungi mycology. Find him on Instagram. I will link him in the description below. And until the next episode, namaste. Have a great day. Don't contemplate. Meditate. And we will see you on the next one. Thanks for coming on the show, brother. Have a good night. Have a good night. Bye, guys. Peace.